Hey, good morning, everyone. Ah, so great to see you. Somebody said I have to give a shout out for uh, the 49ers today. But my Raider fans, they don't want me to do that, right? Ooh, that sounds like a 50-50 split to me. All right, I'm going to stay neutral and just be my Packer fan. Okay, two people. Thank you. Well, it's great to see you. My name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. It's so great to see you this morning. Uh, if you are here uh, visiting us uh, for the first time, please don't leave. We have a, uh, before you get a gift that we have for you, uh, the, as you go out the, the double doors, uh, when you leave after service, you'll see a, a set of bookshelves there on your left. And we have these mugs here for you, these, uh, new, these New Life mugs. And so that is our gift to you for being a guest here with us this morning at New Life Patterson. And also, if you're looking around, you're kind of uh, doing some church shopping, and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. It's so great. For you to be here this morning. Also, if you came prepared to give, now if you're a first-time guest, this, this doesn't include you. You can just sit back. We don't want you to ever feel like uh, that you have to start giving you know, at, at, as a visitor, but this is for people who already call New Life Patterson their home. And so if you came prepared to give, then you can do that in several ways. You can give through our app. You can give online. You can mail that in, or you can give physically here on Sunday. So we have two giving stations located uh, at our exit. So if you came prepared to give, you can just drop that uh, in there before you leave. And we just want to say thank you so much because everything that we do here throughout the week and on Sundays is because of your faithfulness in your giving. So we just want to say thank you so much. We have seen uh, a great increase in our giving here. And so people are responding uh, to what God's doing because we are, like Tito said, we are an active church. There's a lot of things happening around here. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, we had nearly 40 students uh, for junior high and high school. And our kids' ministries are growing. You can look around on a Sunday morning and see that our attendance is growing as well with our Bible studies that we're doing. And uh, so it's just a busy time. It's a busy time for us. And it's a great, fruitful time that we're seeing God bless this campus in what we're doing in the community. We fed 120 families this week at our Church Without Walls food pantry. There's just a lot of things happening that all of us don't get to see on a regular basis. But we want you to know that your faithfulness and your generosity goes towards those things. So thank you so much for helping us do ministry. Uh, one more exciting thing that I, that I wanted to uh, share with you is that in, in messages past, we always uh, will include periodically, not always, we periodically will include uh, the fact that we have an on-campus, not on-campus, but uh, on-staff counselor, and her name is Miss Marilyn. She's been on staff with us for years. She has probably 40 plus years of counseling and working with teenagers and working with adults alike in the area of counseling. And normally when we give a message that's kind of heavy, we will give her information out. Uh, the only thing is she is always at the Turlock campus. So I sit down with Dave and Brett a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, what if we kind of shifted some of Marilyn's hours, if she's willing to, to come out here? And so beginning on Thursday, the 29th, Marilyn is going to be here on Thursday mornings from 9 to noon. And so if anybody ever needs someone to process some things with or to talk to uh, in the form of counseling, Marilyn will be available here at this campus on Thursday morning. So just wanted to put that out. That's really exciting for us, especially when we look at culture, we look at things that's happening in the world. And we know that a lot of people need someone to talk to. And so to have Marilyn here is, a, is an amazing, valuable resource. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, maybe one Sunday she can come and I can uh, bring her up here on stage and kind of introduce her, introduce her to anyone. But, huh? 
Oh, yeah, 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 there's no charge for that. I don't want anybody to think that Marilyn's not making a dime off this, okay? So uh, it's totally, uh, it's totally on, on her own volition, and so that she's volunteering to do that. So thank you for bringing that up. You do not have to pay for that. And then one more exciting thing before we get going, Miss Maria, get up here. Maria loves being on stage. Yeah. So Maria and her family... Maria and her family have been part of New Life since day one, right? Since yes. we started the campus back. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, Maria's laugh is amazing. I love her. She's got the most contagious laugh. I, I wish you'd just laugh all the time. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so we had a pool party before we ever launched back uh, over four years ago, and Maria and her family were part of that pool party, and so they've been with us since day one. And uh, when, we started the, when we started the campus at the high school. And then something that she began doing while we were renovating this place is we had to kind of migrate this campus to the Turlock campus. And we were having our services on Sunday mornings uh, in the north building of the Turlock campus. And Miss Maria started showing up to help Anna out uh, with kids. She was driving there nearly every Sunday to help out with kids. And so her faithfulness really... Uh, kind of stuck out to us. And uh, those of you that may or may not know, the ministry is super busy. And so it's gotten to where myself and Miss Anna and Pastor Tito, uh, there's things that are super important, but we've not been able to put a whole lot of time into. And so uh, we love Miss Maria so much, we invited her to join our team. And so, <laughs> yep. So today is actually day one. This is her first day. So you're not allowed to quit tomorrow morning, by the way. Yeah, so uh, she's going to be coming alongside uh, Miss Anna with, with kids and, and Pastor Tito with students and then some other things with volunteers. And, uh, and, and, and so we actually uh, titled it. She is the campus ministry assistant. And so she's going to be helping us out with uh, all different kinds of things. So if you see her face around here a lot more, it's because she's now part of our team. And so we just want to welcome you. Thank you. Let me, I want to pray. I want to pray over Maria too as she, as she joins uh, ministry with us. Father, thank you so much for Maria's heart. I thank you for how you uniquely designed her and how you uniquely created her. And I thank you that uh, during this season that she has kind of risen to the top and uh, you've pointed her out to us as a team uh, to be a valuable member of what we're doing around here. Lord, she's caught the vision of New Life Patterson. She knows the community and she uh, knows the heart of you. And so I thank you for her, Lord. And right now I just bless her. I bless her in Jesus' name as she comes on board with our team, that she will, that her talents and her skills and her abilities, Lord, will just, uh, Lord, just totally increase, Lord, uh, to beyond her own capacity to where she can even look and say, wow, God's really doing something in me and through me. So I bless her, and I thank you for her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank, thank you, darling. Uh-huh. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles if you have them with them to Genesis chapter 12. We're only going to be there in the very beginning of the message. If you don't have your Bible with you, totally fine. The scripture is going to be on the screen behind me. But we're going to dive into week two of this series that we are in called After the Amen. After the Amen. When I was in my early 20s, I was desperate for God's direction and guidance in my life. Maybe like many of you. I mentioned in previous messages that at, at the age of 19, at the age of 19, I'd already sensed God pulling me in the direction of being a pastor. But here it was four years later at the age of 23, 
and I'm still waiting for this opportunity to come. So then one late Friday night around 10 p.m., after working a 16-hour day in the corporate world, heading back from my route, I found myself sitting at a four-way stop, no one around, in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. So I hung my head and I said a prayer. And in that prayer, I asked what I thought was a very easy question for God to answer. And I know I'm the only one that's ever had those, right? You pray a prayer and you're like, God, this will be so easy for you. Why don't you just do this? And so I asked what I thought was an easy question for God to answer. And I said, when, Lord? When? Tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Four years have gone by and I feel as if I'm in the same exact spot that I was four years ago, just this place of waiting. And in that moment, it wasn't audible, but I felt, I heard this whisper on the inside of my spirit that said, go west. And I thought, okay, like right now, Lord? I mean, my truck is facing north. Do you want me to turn left? I mean, how far west are we going? Nashville west, Oklahoma west, how far west? This is super unclear to me, God. What does this mean? And that was it. That's all I got. And when I think back at that story, I'm reminded of when God told Abraham to go. If you're unfamiliar with the story, it goes like this in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now, just to be clear, I am in no way comparing myself to Abraham, the father of faith. Okay, I just want to to make sure I'm clear about that. But notice that God gave Abraham no details, no itinerary, no GPS, no charging stations, no gas stations along the way. God told him to go and he went. We don't have record of Abraham asking him one single question. He just packed up and he left. Like we said last week, we kicked off this series after the amen by diving into this tension that's in that space between the amen and the answer, that middle place, that gap between the amen and the answer, as we all know, can be scary. It can be lonely. It can be frustrating. It can be unnerving and anxious and worrisome, but I don't believe God ever intended that space to be that way, to, be, to have all those negative connotations. You see, that's what you and I bring into the equation because I believe that that gap, that space between the amen and the answer can also be a place of peace. It can also be a, a place of quiet and calm and reflective and trusting. A gap of total surrender and connection with the Father. The creator of the universe who uniquely designed us to have a living, breathing, ongoing relationship with him is always inviting us close. Isn't that great? We sang those words last Sunday. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You see, God is consistently prompting prompting and urging us to bring our burdens and our petitions to him. 
And it all begins with prayer. As we learned last week, the answer to our prayer begins to follow after the amen. But it's not always immediate, is it? We want God to be a slot machine. We want God to be kind of a genie in the bottle that as soon as we pray our prayer, that, our, that, that the answer comes immediately. But we know that that always doesn't happen. We've all experienced that. We've all experienced this long wait after the amen. So what should we do? What do we do while we're waiting? What do we do in that gap between the amen and the answer? We touched on the fact last week that followers of Jesus have this thought process that waiting on God to move and intervene in our circumstance, waiting on him to give us our answer, waiting on him to, uh, uh, to kind of interact in our situation is this do-nothing static posture. But throughout the Bible, waiting on God is active, doing something in the wait. Remember, God is challenging us to stay busy and active in the wait. Say your amen, get comfortable in the tension of the middle, but while you're waiting... Keep loving and serving others. While you're waiting, stay connected in community with other believers. While you wait, stay active here on the weekends as we worship together as a faith family. While you wait, stay active with God in your quiet times and your alone times while taking walks or exercising or connecting with God in your favorite hobby. That's active faith. That's active waiting. Think about it. What exactly are we waiting for anyway? An answer or the answer? Let me ask it like this. You've said your prayer. You've ended with your amen. Are you now waiting on your answer or God's answer? Because as we all know, those could look very different. I think a lot of times when we pray and then we say the amen, we want God to show us the whole picture. We want him to give us the the whole answer immediately. But maybe that's too much for us to handle. Maybe seeing the whole picture would overwhelm us in the moment. No, I think what we really need is for God just to show us the next right step. And that's the title of this message today, taking the next right step. Because the next right step seems much more approachable or less overwhelming than the end result. When I think about relationships, whether you're dating, whether you're married, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, usually in that relationship, one loves details and the other completely hates them, right? You don't have to elbow your spouse because you know which is who. Very rarely have I ever met a couple when I'm doing counseling or pre-marriage counseling that both either love details or hate details. Let me give you an example. If I were to say to Janet, hey babe, let's take a trip. I know from that moment on, the research that's going to go into that trip is gonna be completely overwhelming to me. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be the same as trying to find a cure to a disease. I'm gonna be overwhelmed with all the details Janet is gonna ask me. Okay, where do you wanna go? Well, I don't know yet. Well, you wanna you want to drive or we wanna fly? Are we gonna to go to the beach or is it gonna be mountains? Is it gonna be cold or hot? Do we take our pets? If not, we have to find somebody to watch our pets. Do they have a website? Can I go on it? Do they have reviews? Do you know anybody that's been there? What do they, what do they think about it? What did they do once they got there? What are we gonna do once we get there? And it's it's the same. The list goes on and on. I'm the complete opposite. If Janet were to come up to me and say, hey, babe, let's take a trip. I have one question. When are we leaving? That's it. I don't care about anything else. You see, the next right step for me is just walking out the door. But Janet's next right step is to begin planning for the destination. 
Now, here's the thing. One is not necessarily greater than the other. They both are a step toward where we both want to go, but for each of us, at least it's the next right step. Pastor Andy Stanley in Georgia, he wrote a book a few years ago called Ask It, Ask It. And in the book, he makes the claim that if followers of Jesus would stop and ask themselves this one pivotal question before making any major life-altering decisions, he or she would rarely do the wrong thing. You want to know what the question is? Well, you got to read the book and find out. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to read. It's this. This is the question to ask yourself. What is the next right thing to do? No matter your circumstance, no matter what's going on, if you ask yourself, what is the next right thing to do? Whether it's a conflict or a temptation or a confrontation or a marital issue or a parenting issue, a financial issue, a health issue, ask yourself, what is the next right thing for me to do? We gave some examples of this last week. Lord, save my marriage. Amen. Next right step, you work on being a better spouse. Lord, protect my business. Amen. Next right step, surround yourself with people you trust. Lord, deliver me from this addiction. Amen. Next right step, create safeguards to protect yourself throughout the day. Lord, teach me to be a stronger follower of you. Amen. Next right step, join a life group. Lord, teach me how to love like you, give like you, serve like you. Amen. Next step, next right step, start a discipleship program. And the list goes on. There's always the next right step for us to take after the amen, but are we looking for it? Well, Jeremy, what do I even look for? How do I know that that's the next right step for me when the opportunity is, in, is right there in front of me? I know it can be confusing sometimes. Not, not knowing, is this the next right move for me? It's that blind faith and trust of following Jesus into the unknown. I mean, that's why it's so uncertain to begin with, because it's unknown. When we say our prayer, our pleading with God, and we step into that gap of waiting for our answer, it's very natural for us to sit and compare the known with the unknown to the point of what they call analysis paralysis. <laughs> We've analyzed it so much that we're paralyzed to make the next move. We sit and orchestrate 15 different ways in our head about how God could or should answer our prayer. And I believe God is saying to us, don't just sit there because you may not be able to change your, situ your situation. You may not be able to change the circumstance you're in, but you can take the next right step. So what is that? Here are some things I believe God is saying through us through scripture that he expects of us. So here's your first fill in for the weekend. Number one, my next right step is to pursue Jesus and his ways. My next right step is to pursue Jesus in his ways. While we are waiting, Jesus is inviting us to pursue him in his ways. Now, what does this mean? It means to pursue Jesus all you can, while you can, where you can, and when you can. While you're waiting on God to answer your prayer, take, take every opportunity to pursue Jesus in every situation. Is it to earn brownie points with God? Absolutely not. Is it just to get our prayer answered sooner? No. We mentioned last week that we don't earn our way to an answer prayer. Pursuing Jesus and his ways in every situation possible means that we're trying our best to live a Christ-centered life. Wearing that Jesus jersey 
professing that my life belongs to him and that I'm one of his followers means I'm creating habits. I'm creating habits in my life to live the life that he modeled for me. And that includes doing good things, doing good works that honor Christ, not just because they're good, but because they honor Jesus and his kingdom. Look how the Apostle Paul talked about it in his letter to the Galatian people, Galatians 6, 9 and 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to who? Everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I know this is kind of a loaded question, and I know the answer to this. Have you ever been just completely exhausted? We all have, right? If you have younger kids, you, you might even stay in this rhythm of exhaustion all the time. You might, hear, you might be here today, and you don't even know how you got here. You're so tired. And as a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the things, the number one thing that people say now when you ask them, hey, man, how you doing? What do they say? Man, I'm tired. We're all tired. I think we get that way sometimes waiting on God to answer our prayers. We get weary. We get exhausted. We get tired. Especially in those seasons, I'm thinking, God, I don't know how many more times I have to pray this prayer before you answer it. My loved one is still sick, God. I still hate my job, God. My mental state is still a mess, God. But as long as we stay focused on Jesus, as long as we, still st as we stay focused on Jesus to whom we just prayed and said the amen, then we've made that our next right step. And that's a good next right step to leave it in God's hands, to find opportunities to pursue Jesus, to pursue his good ways. You see, God used Paul to encourage us to never get tired of doing good because, quote, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And then that next verse, it says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith, to everyone, especially in the, the family of faith. Do you know who that is? That's people in this room. Our faith family right here, and not just in this room, but other believers in our communities, both here and abroad. That's why we do things every Thursday, like the Church Without Walls food pantry. That's why we plan missions trip to Mexico, like, uh, 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 like the one that we're doing in Mexico in November. We're pursuing Jesus and his ways by doing those things because those things are good. And that's what Jesus would be doing. Help your fellow believers, encourage them, love and care for them. Serve one another here on one of our welcome teams. Love our kids and our kids program. Help us launch an embrace ministry for kids with special needs. Take a meal to a sick neighbor. Become a, be, begin a habit of generosity, outrageous generosity, so that we can do more ministry and be even more effective, not just here, but in our town, in our city. After the amen, our next right step is to pursue Jesus and his ways, it's possible that taking that next right step could potentially change our attitude and keep us from giving up on our prayer if we stay focused and keep our eyes on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And that takes us to point number two. Write this down. My next Right step is to love God and others, to love God and others. This is a great 
way to remind ourselves that it's really not about us. It's really not. It's about God and his kingdom. Yes, it's my need that I'm bringing to God in in prayer, but if we could discipline ourselves to know that our lives are about building God's kingdom and not my kingdom, not your kingdom, but God's kingdom, I believe it could help us keep the right perspective. Philippians 2 Two, three through four says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. How do we love God and others? We put him first. We seek his kingdom first. We begin looking for opportunities to be a blessing to those around us. Loving God and loving each other. Jesus said that these are the most important commandments by which we live our lives. While we wait in the gap, between the amen and the answer, stay focused on God, stay focused on his will, and focus on his kingdom so that our hearts will always stay aligned with his, and we won't get off track. So we've said our amen. We're going to occupy our time by pursuing Jesus and his ways. And by doing that, I'm going to stay focused on God and on others. Colossians 4.3 says this. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Have you ever been in the right place at the right time where God used you to bless someone? But the greatest part of the story was you had zero plans on being there. It just so happened that you were at the right place at the right time to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with someone. So I remember uh, about a year ago, uh, I, was here on a, I was here on a Monday morning. And that Monday morning, things, we, were, we were still remodeling this place. And I was, that Monday morning, I was waiting on contractors. I was waiting on painters. I was waiting for the city. I was waiting for the fire department. All these inspections had to be done. And so during that time, Pastor Brett, who was the project manager, it was his year to go on sabbatical. So he left for eight weeks for his sabbatical. Now I'm the project manager and I know nothing about managing a project this size or being, or having anything to do with construction. But now I find myself, not only the campus pastor trying to do uh, a ministry in Turlock, asking all of our people to drive the Turlock, but I'm here throughout the week managing a project. And I remember this one particular Monday, the contractors couldn't come or they were late and I couldn't, I was blowing up their phone trying to find out where they were. My painters called, they had COVID, so they couldn't come. And then the city was waiting on them before they came over and did their preliminary inspection. And so nothing was working out that morning. I was super frustrated. And I remember walking out into the parking lot and at the time we had a, a dump truck that was back there that we were just throwing all of our construction materials in. And I thought, well, I called Tito and I said, well, at least I'll just go take the dump truck to Fink Landfill, just unload it. I mean, at least I can do that. I don't want to, but maybe just to pass some time. So I jumped in the truck, went over there, unloaded. And I was, I was, as I was leaving, I was checking out and I was uh, there on the scale and jumped out of the truck. And I went up to the window and the lady that was working in the booth, man, she was in a bad mood. And she was throwing things around, and I just kind of sitting there, just kind of slid my card under there, you know, to, 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 pay for the, to pay for the load. And then finally I said, nope, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. I said, hey, um, what's going on? Are you okay? And then she just started crying. 
And she said, my first two trucks this morning, one of the trucks was too far on the scale and it was throwing the first guy's scales off and he wouldn't back up. So I had to go out there because he couldn't see me and I told him to back up and he gets out of his truck. He's mad. He's cursing at me. And that was the beginning of my Monday morning. And I just sit there and I said, you know what? I'm really sorry that that happened to you. You did not deserve that. And I hope the rest of your day goes a lot better than what happened to you this morning. And the demeanor, the countenance on her body, just her body language just softened immediately. And she looked up at me with tears in her eyes. She said, thank you. I needed to hear that. Now, I could have missed out on that opportunity. I could have missed out on that opportunity if I would have just gone later in the day or maybe the next day or not gone at all. Or if I selfishly just focused on me and my needs and my pity party, nothing's working out for me. Why is everybody ganging up on me? Where's Pastor Brett? But instead, in January of 2021, I said a prayer and I said, God, I want to get this project done as quickly as possible so that we can begin worshiping you as a family in this building. So whatever it takes, I need you to do it. But I know I have, I know I have some things to do too in this project. And I just took the next right step. Not only did God give me the opportunity to share him with someone that day, but he also tugged on my heart in the moment and let me know that the opportunity was presenting itself and for me to take advantage of that. Maybe you're here today in your next right step. It's just to focus less on your prayer, less on your issue, less on your circumstance, that you're waiting for God to intervene and focus more on him. Love God, love others. Think about this. What would your day look like just later this afternoon, even this afternoon, if you began today by saying your prayer, that thing that you've been praying for for a long time that maybe only you and God know about, but instead of closing with just an amen and walking away frustrated, it sounded a little more like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God. I'm going to begin pursuing you and your ways. Help me to love you and to love others and to stay focused on you and your goodness and give me the opportunity to share you with someone else. How would that begin to change our perspective? Because it takes focus and attention off of me and puts more attention on God and his kingdom. Abraham just took the next right step. Before knowing the details, waiting on God to map out the where, the when, the how, he just went. The Apostle Paul, think about it. If you know, if you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul, wrote almost nearly all of his uh, letters from prison. He had no strategic plan on his missionary project, his, his missionary journeys before uh, he took off, except for the destinations. He knew who needed to hear the good news of Jesus, and he went. At any given time, Paul could have just sat around in prison waiting on God, waiting in that gap between his amen and the answer. But instead, he took the next right step, sitting there tied in chains in that dungeon. He could have just sat and cried and felt sorry for himself, but he praised and thanked God for his chains because of the reason for which he was imprisoned. And then he said, hey, this might get me a pen and some paper. I'm going to write some letters to encourage my fellow believers. Now, I know there wasn't pen and paper back then, but you get the point. At the beginning of this message, I shared about that whisper that I heard in my spirit, kind of that 
in my, in, my, in my soul, my spirit, kind of just like this internal whisper. Like I said, it wasn't an audible voice, but I kind of heard and felt that when it said, go west. Do you know it was another 10 years, 10 years before I saw that answer come to fruition? I got my certification in ministry 2005, and then Janet and I sat down. We said, hey, come on, where should, where should, we, where should we go? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of Tennessee. And so we found this little church about 30 minutes outside of Denver, Colorado, that needed a youth pastor. And so I called the lead pastor of the church up, and I said, hey, will you take a 33-year-old couple, married couple with three kids and very little experience? He said, come on. Let's do this. Let's grow together. That was back in 2005, and that's what began our ministry. And it wasn't until we were packing that I remember that whisper all those years before. Jan and I were so excited as we were preparing for the move, and we were getting ready, doing all the logistics behind that, and I was reflecting on the location of beautiful Colorado, still processing the fact that I'm leaving everything behind to start a new life. And it was in that moment that I sensed that voice again, that whisper. I remember I was looking down at a map showing someone where Strasburg, Colorado was, just 30 minutes outside of Denver. And I pointed at it and I was looking at Colorado from Tennessee and it was about 1200 miles. And I heard it again say, I told you you were going west. 10 years before. You see, I'd forgotten what God spoke into my spirit. I forgot. He didn't. After years of praying the same prayer, I think I just kind of subconsciously put it in the back of my mind, but God always had the answer. God always had the answer. He knew. He knew what, where we were going and when we were going. He just wanted me to take the next right step. It had to be his timing and not mine. You see, my job was to take the next right step. So I pursued Jesus and his ways, waiting on God to answer. I loved God and I loved others. I stayed faithful in my relationship with him. I served my wife and I served my children. I stayed consistent with my spiritual habits. I, I honored my employers. I gave of my time and talents and treasure to the local church, not to move God's heart, not for him to answer my prayer sooner, but because that was the next right step for me to pursue Jesus and his ways. I love the passion translation of Psalm 37, 23. When Yahweh, God, delights in how you live your life, he establishes your every step. Notice that it doesn't say that he blesses your leaps of faith. Anyone that says, I'll just take a leap of faith, run. That's not scripture. God says, I establish your steps one by one. Because I'm telling you right now, back to in 2005, if God showed me what the next 17 years was going to look like, kind of the, the future Jeremy and Janet, what's going to happen in our life. If we could see beforehand the pain and the sadness that we would endure by leaving our parents and siblings behind, for our kids not to grow up around their grandparents, 
for us only to be in Colorado for three years and then go through some major conflict and then going to Wisconsin and then being a youth pastor there for four years and then transitioning into a different church for five years and then packing up everything that we knew and coming to California. And along with that, all the struggles and challenges of being a pastor in, in, in ministry, Janet and I would have said, we're tapping. Nope. We're not going through that. That's why God says, just take the next right step. Let me show you your, ne your next step, and we'll go from there. Because as you go through those things, I'm going to strengthen you for the result. I think he just wants us to say, okay, God, I actually don't want to see the end What's the next right thing for me to do? It's after the amen and the gap and in the wait, once we've surrendered our need and our prayer to God, that we say, okay, God, now it's up to you. There's nothing more I can do in this physical realm. I am powerless and you are powerful. So I'm surrendering everything in my life to you right now. And while you're answering my prayer, I'm just going to take the next right step. God, sell my house. Amen. Change my boss's attitude. Heal my disease. Help me pass the test. Whatever it is, say your amen and stay focused on Jesus. So let me ask you, what is your next right step? It's going to be different for all of us, right? What is your next right step? I know. I've got it. Pursue Jesus in his ways. That's your next right step. Love God and love others. And take advantage of every opportunity that he gives you to share him with someone. That's what it means by occupy the time until I come. Do the things that Jesus did and stay focused on him. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for given us the opportunity and for showing us our next right step. Father, I know every single person in here has their own prayer, has their own, their own need, their own circumstance, their own situation that they are wrestling through right now. There may be some in here that just prayed that prayer yesterday. There may be some in here that's been praying for that prayer for 20 years. Lord, will you just gently remind us you haven't forgotten. You're still in control. Our job is to pursue you, to pursue your good ways while we're waiting, while we're in that gap, while we're in that middle. Remind us that you are indeed working. And we have a part to play too. Help us stay focused on you. Lord, right now, I pray a blessing over every person in here as we leave here in just a couple of minutes and go our own separate ways. I pray for protection over every single person in here. Watch over us, guard us, protect us, Lord Jesus. Father, and I pray that today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day of the week you choose, that you will give us an opportunity to do something that you would do if you were here 
take care of the orphans and widows, to serve one another, to join a team, to, be, to start a, a habit of outrageous generosity, whatever that looks like for us, that you will reveal what we need to do in the moment and that we will know that is you speaking to us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, if you are a guest with us this morning, don't forget the gift that we have for you. Also, if you came prepared to give, you can drop those in our giving baskets uh, right beside our doors. And uh, also, all the announcements that we, that we gave earlier, please don't forget those. Uh, if you have any questions about our campus, go to our website, go to our app. You can check out all the, up, the updated news there. And there's a lot of things happening here. We want you to keep coming back. Next week, bring somebody with you. We'll be in week three of After the Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you guys next Sunday.